Welcome to the Sooners Extra Podcast powered by the Oklahoman. The Sooners Extra Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Aver, here with uh, fellow beat writer, Abby Bitterman. And we're joined today by a good friend of the podcast, friend of the Oklahoman, Kansas State beat writer for the Wichita Eagle slash Kansas City star, Kellis Robinette. Kellis, how you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for chatting with me this week. Yeah, thanks for uh, joining us again. We always uh, always appreciate that for sure. Yeah, let's do it. Well, Kellis, we got to start with uh, the big news uh, with this game. It's been a long time since there hasn't been either a Stoops or a Snyder on the sideline for this game. There will still be a Stoops there as uh, Bob Stoops' son, Drake Stoops, is a, a receiver for the Sooners, plays a little special teams, and his role has expanded a little bit. But it's going to be weird uh, weird on Saturday having this game without uh, you know any, any of those two families involved. Yeah, um, it really will be. It seems like, yeah, going back forever, you kind of knew what you could count on, uh, at least from one side in this rivalry. Um, and, yeah, that'll be an interesting part of it. Uh, the game itself, though, it probably won't be too much different than what we've seen lately. <laughs> Oklahoma always seems to win in Manhattan. And, um, you know, I don't know what change of coaches is really going to do to change that this season. I, I think they'll probably win again. Yeah, I mean, you you would certainly think so with the way that uh, Oklahoma's playing, the way that Kansas State is playing um, the last few weeks. But what's the feeling up there about the job that uh, Chris Kleiman is doing and and sort of, I don't want to say overhauling things because obviously Bill Snyder did such a great job there, but it's a completely different look from, uh, you know, what we've seen for so long out of the Wildcats. It is. It's different, yet kind of familiar. They run the ball just differently than they have in the past. Um, this last week, they actually beat TCU with some quarterback draws, which probably made Bill Snyder happy watching from his suite up above the stadium. But that's not something we've really seen all season. They really don't like to run the quarterback. They like to run the running back and get fullbacks involved. And um, They'd much rather run running backs and receivers than they would quarterbacks. So that part of it's been different. Um, just overall, I think people are, are mostly happy with the job he's done so far. I think if you go back, would go back to August and ask people, okay, would you be happy with a 4-2 and two start? I think most people would say, yeah, I'll take that in a heartbeat. Um, there is some disappointment just given that their first three games seem to go so flawlessly, um, the way they just wipe the floor with their, non-con- with the, uh, their first two non-conference opponents. And then to go on the road and beat Mississippi State, I think, probably got people's hopes up to a point where they didn't belong um especially now that we see mississippi state wasn't quite as good as we thought so there's been a little bit of uh you know disappointment during the big 12 portion of the schedule but um i think as long as they can get two more wins and get the bowl eligibility in this first season i think most people will be okay with it yeah and it looks like they they should be able to do that. I know, obviously, uh, that Kansas game is going to loom, loom pretty large. They've got West Virginia, uh, Texas Tech left that both could be, um, you know, somewhat winnable games for them. So uh, it, it seems like they're in a pretty good spot uh, there. Obviously, Texas this weekend with Oklahoma and then Iowa State will be uh, tough, uh, 
tough ones to pull out. But um, like I said, it seems like there there's six wins on the table for them if they can find a way to finish out a couple of those games down the stretch. Yeah, if they win the games they're supposed to, they should get the six wins. You know, that Tech game is a toss-up, too. I'm not sure what to expect from the Red Raiders at this point. So maybe they go in there and win two and they can get the seven games. The It's kind of weird, though, the way Kansas uh, played against Texas and kind of some of the energy that Les Miles has brought to the, the KU side of the Sunflower Showdown. I actually think some people are looking past the Oklahoma game to that one. Um, next week just because I, I don't think many people are giving K-State a shot in this game and that's obviously probably the more important game of the two for them. You know Lincoln Riley and some of the players this week have uh, been talking about how loud the stadium is um, at Kansas State um, even though it doesn't necessarily hold as many people as uh, I believe OU Stadium or some of these other stadiums. What What makes that such a such a loud environment well they do a really good job of packing the place that's one thing i've noticed from kansas state compared to a lot of other schools when they they'll have sellouts on paper but the student section just isn't there and uh you can see empty seats all over the place when the game starts at kansas state it is typically pretty packed and they've got the student section right there on the field um it spans the you know the whole half of the field on the east side of the stadium so i think that aspect of it makes it really loud you've got the students right there on top of everybody and just the way that the the stadium is set up with um i don't know it it, it is small but it's built in a way that kind of keeps the noise in and i think too just the the ease that it, it it has for all the fans um parking right around the stadium with their tailgates getting ready for the game by the, the time they're at their seats and the game starts they're really amped up and ready to go so i think they're maybe just a little bit louder than some other fans out there and uh kellis coming back to to kansas state and the transition uh, uh under chris Kleiman this year i wanted to ask you about kansas state's defense and what, what you've seen out of them uh oklahoma offensive uh, co-offensive coordinator slash offensive line coach bill Beatonbow said that this might be the best uh, best overall defense that the Sooners have faced this year. But when you look at, you know, like sack numbers uh, aren't very high, but what what has made this defense uh, effective to this point in the season? It's really been kind of bend-don't-break defense. They've given up some yards between uh, between the 20s and – They've honestly not been that good on first and second down, but whenever the defense does get get a team into third down, they're really, really good. I think they rank in the top 25 nationally in third down defense. Um, they just don't, you know, it, I'm not sure exactly why that is, why they're so much better on third and fourth down. Maybe it's just that they, they do have a good defensive line um, with Wyatt Hubert leading the way at defensive end. I think he's one of the better edge rushers in the Big 12. And maybe it's just when you get a uh, when they get a team in third and long or, or fourth down, and they have to think about it and they have to drop back and pass and do some creative things. It's just hard for them to get the plays off. But whenever this defense has gotten teams in third down, they've been really successful. It's just that when teams hit the home run against them on first down, they've been very uh, not successful. Like when they they played Oklahoma State. They held them to a very reasonable number of points, just 26, but gave up just huge, huge numbers of yards. 
um, because when plays were working for Oklahoma State, they were going for 80 and 90 yards. So that's kind of the trade-off here. Either they, they stop you right away or they don't stop you at all. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll touch on that here in a bit with uh, in their second segment with some matchup stuff. But uh, Abby, did you have something? Sorry. Yeah, um, a lot of people also this week have been talking about how you know, despite the change in coaching, um, Kansas State has still kept its very physical uh, style of football. How do you think that uh, Coach Kleiman has been able to uh, keep that kind of style that people expect from Kansas State? Well, he's a very you know, hard-nosed kind of coach. His teams in North Dakota State were probably even more physical than the ones that Bill Snyder had at, at Kansas State, just with their style. They they brought in extra tight ends, brought in extra fullbacks, and tried just to basically bully teams off the ball and win with uh, a throwback kind of smash-mouth style. And he wants the, the teams here to play the exact same way. All right, we're going to take a break there and come back and talk more Oklahoma-Kansas State football on the Sooners Extra podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Aber, alongside Abby Bitterman and Kellis Robinette. Uh, Abby Bitterman from the Oklahoma and Kellis Robinette from the uh, Wichita Eagles slash Kansas City Star. And this is the Sooners Extra podcast presented by Zach Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast, brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. Once again, we're joined by Kellis Robinette of the Wichita Eagle and Kansas City Star. And uh, Kellis, I mentioned at the tail end of the last segment that we're going to talk a little bit more about matchups. You talked about Kansas State's bend but don't break defense. I'm curious what they say about facing the Oklahoma offense because that generally hasn't been a way to live against the Sooners <laughs> offensively with uh, the the quick strike firepower that they have. Right. It's, uh, yeah, not the best matchup for them in that regard. They've given up a lot of home run balls, and that's what Oklahoma does best. So that's really what Chris Kleiman harped on this week was that if there's anything that they could do against Oklahoma would just be to slow down the big play, limit the big play, make them earn their yards wherever they can. Um, I'm not sure exactly how they do that, but that's that'll, that'll be the goal. They don't want to see Jalen Hurts, um, you know, throwing five touchdowns to CeeDee Lamb or whatever. They want to make, uh, make Oklahoma get into third downs and, and move the chains the hard way. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, um, Oklahoma's uh, defense has seen a lot of um, passing attacks so far this season, and Kansas State's more of a, a run-heavy offense. I guess, how do you think um, that offense will, will match up here? That's a good question. I think they'll try to run the ball as much as they can. The, the hard part for Kansas State is they just haven't run the ball that well effectively. That's what they want to be. They want to be a power-running team. They came out and rushed for 361 yards in their first game, rushed for 333 yards in their second game. Everybody thought they were going to be able to do, be able to do that all season, but then in their last four games, they haven't topped 150 yards. They only even got to 94, 94 rushing yards last week because they had a 61-yard QB scramble from, uh, from Skylar Thompson on a design QB draw. So rushing the ball has not been their forte the last couple, couple weeks. That's just because defenses have been lining up and taking away from them because they realize that Kansas State, uh, it, it's hard for them to beat people with the pass, but they do get Malik Knowles back this week. 
um, probably for a full game the first time that's happened in Big 12 play. So if he can stretch the field a little bit, they might uh, they might try to throw against Oklahoma. But deep down, if they can do it, I think they would love to try and duplicate what Army did two years ago against Oklahoma and just rush for four yards every play and, <laughs> and keep the offense on the field as long as they can. Yeah, it seems like you, know, you mentioned uh... – mentioned trying to slow down Oklahoma's offense and it seems like one way to do that a big way to do it is to slow down or to make sure their offense isn't on the field and just grind out possessions like what Army did a year ago what I th- I think we've seen some teams try to do a little bit hadn't been successful to this point but uh, it seems like that might be a good strategy for for Kansas State to try to help out its defense some by uh, you know extending possessions and, and slowing the game down and shrinking the game, it's yeah, it's what they'll try and do. Um, they haven't, they just haven't had a ton of success in that regard in that area against other Big Twelve teams. They they played from behind the whole way against Baylor and Oklahoma State. They did lead most of the way against TCU, and that was a big reason why I think they won. So if they can get a lead, they'll try as hard as they can to, to play that style. But if they fall fall behind, obviously they're going to have to abandon that pretty quick. What uh, what have folks up at Kansas State, whether it's coaches or players, said about Oklahoma's defense and what they've seen out of it uh, to this point? Obviously, the defense down here has been such a big point of conversation with the improvement that uh, they've shown since last year. I'm curious what the Kansas State folks have said about that. Well, they're impressed by it. Um, the guys who have played Oklahoma before have all said that the, this this unit looks better this year, more disciplined, uh, better tackling, more turnover ability. You know everything you would you would want to hear for an Oklahoma fan. I I was uh, a little surprised to hear uh, Chris Kleiman talking about both Oklahoma's offense and Oklahoma's defense. He actually seemed a little bit more excited about their defense. He was very complimentary of what they can do on that side of the ball. And I think that's really, you know, from, from people up here, vantage point, I think that's what they think makes Oklahoma more of a legit title contender this year because not only do they have offense, but it looks like they can play some defense too. Yeah, it's a completely different look from than what we've seen from the last uh, few years out of the Sooners' defense, especially since uh, Lincoln Riley's got there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what, what do you think that um – Oklahoma fans should expect out of uh, Kansas State's Skylar Thompson? I think they can expect uh, a really a really hard playing quarterback. I think he's going to come in and you know try to give this game everything that he has. Um, he's He has led Kansas State to um, a big upset victory in his past. When he was a freshman, he took him into Stillwater and won, as I believe, a 21-point underdog. And that's pretty close to what they are this week against Oklahoma. So maybe that's something that he can draw on and uh, use to his advantage. Is used to his advantage this week. He's uh, he's got some talent. He's a dual-threat guy. He can run when he has to, but he'd rather throw. Um, I I think he, you'll probably see him spend a lot of the time, most of his time, in the pocket and just trying to do what he can whenever they they try to throw the ball yeah and Skylar Thompson has played in one OU Kansas State game before that was last year's uh, 51-14 Oklahoma win in Norman uh, Skylar Thompson in that game 13-21 108 yards no touchdowns no interceptions rushed for 54 yards and a touchdown so 
uh, not greatly effective, but was able to, to to move the ball on the ground. And I would anticipate them at least trying to do uh, some of that on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Those stats are—I'm uh, surprised the stats were that good from last year's game. As <laughs> much of a massacre as that was. Yeah, I'm not sure. You know what they look like, like broken down by quarter, uh, but. Uh, but yeah, not so. Not the completion percentage, not awful. The yardage, uh, not so much. Yeah, so he'll hope for better this time around. I know that that game last year, that was something that the guys brought up this year, especially Skyler. That that was just a nightmarish performance. Nothing went right. Um, you know, I, I think honestly, if if Kansas State can can cover the spread in this game and look okay even if they don't win. I mean, nobody would admit to it publicly, but I think most K-State players would be fine with that. Yeah, you would think so. This is one of those games you just sort of uh, look to survive and and move out. Um, Kellis, you mentioned earlier C.D. Lamb and OU's big playability in the – I think it was the first segment. What do you think Kansas State does defensively against Lamb? We've seen so many different looks against him to try to slow him down. Some of them have worked on that uh, aspect of it, but they have they have led to openings and other things for for Oklahoma's offense. But uh, you know, what do you, do you get the sense of what the Wildcats are going to look to do against him? Uh, I think they'll probably try and double them when they can and mix that mix that up with some zone looks. Um, I, I don't know that there's really a good plan to slow down C.D. Lamb. It's it's incredible that of this 31 catches the season, 10 have gone for touchdowns. I mean, one one out of every that means one out of every three times he catches the ball, he's scoring. That's a crazy stat. <laughs> um, so I mean, they'll they'll uh, throw something special at him, I'm sure. Um, but it, it's just hard to say. They were fortunate last week uh, that they played TCU, a team that really was incapable of throwing deep um they actually kind of dared tcu to do it all game and the few times they did they max duggan just kind of comically overthrew the receivers but they were open um so i I doubt they'll play that same defense against oklahoma because they're not going to want to let cd lamb get behind them i bet they i bet they throw more zone looks at them than anything yeah, and CeeDee Lamb had a monster game against the Wildcats last year. Four catches, 160 yards, two touchdowns, uh, both both long catches. I think uh, at the time that was his career high. He's since passed that a couple of times, twice versus Texas. Um, but uh, CeeDee Lamb, you would anticipate him having a big role, uh, although certainly Charleston Rambo and, and some of those other guys have, have played huge roles as well. But I love the name Charleston Rambo. I hope he catches a bunch of yards in this game. It, it's fantastic. It it to me is my favorite name in college football currently. Uh, I mean, there's so many headline possibilities with it. Obviously, you know, first blood <laughs> being the 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 obvious one, but there's so many things you can do with Rambo, and and also, I mean, just the last name Rambo is great. And Charleston is a, a different kind of first name as well. So it's. Uh, it's always interesting to see hear his name uh, pop up when he makes catches and, and does stuff, and he's done a lot of it this year. I'm trying to think of yeah. of better names, and none are coming to mind. Yeah does does uh, Kansas, does Kansas State have any names that just like really pop out to you? Like that's a great college football name. Uh, they had some, and they all transferred, unfortunately. 
Um, but uh, I mean, there's a kid on their team right now, right now named Joshua Youngblood. I kind of like that name, Youngblood. But it's 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 based on. I mean, if it was Charleston Youngblood, then it would be better. Yeah, but it's not Charleston Rambo. <laughs> that that's a that's a all American name right there. That's a, a pretty good one. I'm I'm looking through Kansas State's roster. I do like uh, Jet as a first name. Uh, Jet Burkhart, yeah. the redshirt freshman linebacker. Um, obviously, makes more sense if he's like a wide receiver or uh, you know a speed type of guy. There's a there's a running got back. A Jack too. There's a running back named Harry Trotter, and I have to imagine yeah. that growing up he got a lot of Harry Potter jokes. Yeah, I should I should have thrown out Harry Trotter's name. That's a good one. Yeah, but I I like Jack. You you've got oh go you ahead. got the Harry Potter references and his last name's Trotter as and a, he's running a running back. back. Yeah, that, that, that's yeah. But I but I like Jack Stanin too. That's a good uh, that's a good fullback name. It seems like <laughs> it it is. His, his friends probably envisioned him playing that when they named him. Yeah. So. Kellis, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on the Sooners Extra podcast. If you could, let people know where they can follow you on social media, where they can read your work. Yeah, uh, hit me up on Twitter, at Kellis Robinette, no E at the end, um, and read Kansas.com or KansasCity.com anytime you want. All right, be sure to check out Kellis's work. He does a fantastic job. Kellis, once again, thank you so much for joining us. We'll be right back after a break. For more of the Sooners Extra podcast brought to you by Zaxby's, don't forget to shoot us a review at the Apple Store or in the Google Podcasts app. We sure do appreciate it, and, and thanks for tuning in each week to the Sooners Extra podcast. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast, brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. It's time for the mailbag segment. We actually uh, have a few questions this week. Uh, Abby, uh, let's uh, get this started. All right. Our first question um, is, what happened to Ryan Jones? He had an interception and then doesn't play for two games, uh, asks... Roscoe Parnell? I think that's how you say it. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I, I think to me the biggest thing is the way Deshaun White and Brian Osamoa are playing. Brian Osamoa especially has taken a big step forward there at the, the weak side linebacker spot. We don't like to use the Will, Mike, Sam uh, designations here. It's a weak side uh, linebacker spot. But uh, I suspect, and also uh, a couple weeks ago against Texas, the roster sort of shrunk down a little bit as they uh, relied much more heavily on experienced guys. But I think uh, Asamoah's resurgence or, or just surge uh, has led to, to less opportunities for Ryan Jones, and I, I think Deshaun White's playing really well right now. It'll be interesting to see how much playing time Ryan Jones gets because he's shown some flashes over the last uh, uh, couple years but hasn't found that level of consistency. And it's going to be difficult, honestly, for him to hold off Osamoa with the way he's playing right now. Mm-hmm. And then another question, uh, Petra Lewis asks, I haven't seen anything on this yet this season. How have beer sales gone this inaugural season throughout the entire OU stadium? Yeah, you know, I, I'm not 100% sure because OU has said that they're not going to release uh, figures at, at, as to like financial figures, how many 
beers are being sold in each game, things like that, until after the season. But uh, I think talking to some people, you haven't seen a wide rash of incidents. You know, I think the the fear for a lot of people was that when alcohol was sold in, in the stadium, that a lot of people would drink way too much. But I think generally studies have shown that uh, when you don't sell alcohol in the stadium is generally when it gets worse because people binge before they go into games. And let's be honest, I think the fact that we've had so many 11 a.m. kickoffs at home has played a role in that as well. So that'll be interesting to see these last couple games, if they're later. I expect the Iowa State game to be a night game. Not sure about TCU, but uh, see how that goes. But from all indications, it's gone pretty well. Now, let's remember uh, when you're talking financially, Joe Castiglione was very adamant that this wasn't a financial decision to to open up uh, alcohol sales in the stadium. It was much more about fan enjoyment, fan experience, and fans wanted to be able to have a beer. And uh, they're able to do that now. So, yeah, I, I mean, obviously they're going to make some money off of it, but I don't think it's going to be any, like, exorbitant amount. But uh, haven't had any, haven't heard about any significant issues that have happened with uh, alcohol sales so far in the stadium. Yeah, and I think the reactions to it when it was first announced were, you know, largely positive for the reasons that you just outlined. Um, so I think that, you know, when that end of the season report comes out, it'll probably just be, you know, a lot of a lot of those positives, like you were saying. Yeah. So, but like I said, we'll see when there's uh some more night games and later in the season to see if uh, anybody's had an issue i haven't seen heard anybody on twitter or anything really express any problems with it which when it was announced i had a lot of people on twitter that said "Eh, i'm not sure about this i don't want drunk people around me uh at the game of course my response is always drunk people are always around you at the game they just don't drink it uh you know in an officially sanctioned way i almost said they don't drink it in the stadium but um i've i've been in enough football stadiums to know that that's not always the case that uh, stuff gets smuggled in you know people take a little sip here and there but uh like i said haven't heard any of any major issues yeah um and then a final question um comes from (laughs) caitlin epps who for full disclosure, is an OU football photographer, and she asks, "Who is your favorite OU football photographer?" Well, see, I I wish you hadn't thrown out that full disclosure part because then I could have said something. I could have been like, "Yeah, anybody but the the um, girl from the OU Daily," and just say I mean, it like I didn't see where she worked and say where she worked for. <laughs> That's true. No, Caitlin does a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. She really does. But. Uh, you know, I'm obviously sort of partial to our, our photographers, guys like Brian Terry, Sarah Phipps, Nate Billings. Mm-hmm. Those guys do a great job. But uh, Caitlin, in all seriousness, Caitlin does a great job. But uh, good question, Caitlin. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the question. What are, what are you, what is your opinion? I mean, so I w- <laughs> I worked with Caitlin <laughs> for a long time, and if you listened to last week l- earlier this week's pod, you may have learned that I was in a sorority in college, and Caitlin is my little so you know <laughs> well, there there you go it's really hard for me to not say her but you know now i part of the oklahoman i feel like i gotta i gotta go with the oklahoman <laughs> photographers so really really pulling me on a lot of directions on that question well that's the point of a good question though is that's to make true. you think make it difficult on you 
Uh, all right, Abby. Uh, this is generally the segment of the show where I make fun of Joe's picks, um, and then he winds up beating the pants off me in the overall picking uh, during the week. But no, we're we're going to start Are off. Are you going to make fun of my picks? I don't know. I haven't uh, haven't looked through them, but I'm sure there'll be something to to crack on you for. But uh, Joe was had developed a wide lead in the, in our uh, pick contest that includes me uh the other OU beat writer whoever that may be for the week um Jenny Carlson Barry Trammell uh and then our two OSU writers Scott Wright and uh Jacob Virgil Unruh so but let's start off with the uh, OU picks uh I went with 48-17 I think Oklahoma is going to score a lot of points in this game Kansas State um, has some things that concern you a little bit, but I, I think this game isn't going to be close uh, much past you know midway through the third quarter or so, and I think Oklahoma is going to run away. Abby, your score is pretty similar. If you have it brought up or you want me to tell no, you. No, I, I haven't. I, I'm trying to pull it up right now, but okay, if you could uh, tell me, that'd be great. 45 to 14 is what you went with. Okay. And everybody... I mean, if there's something you want to say with it, but everybody was right around the same. I think the lowest anybody picked OU to score was 42. That was uh, Jenny Carlson. Uh, the highest was 49. Uh, that was uh, Jacob Unruh. And uh, on the Kansas State side, I think everything was 14 through 17. So uh, a pretty tight window there. Yeah, I mean, I think just with the way that OU's offense is playing, you know, it's it's easy to pick them to score a good number of points. And the way, like, if this was last year, I probably would have given Kansas State um, a higher score. But uh, with the way that OU's defense has been, um, the especially the last few games, it's it's pretty easy to um, to pick them to be on the lower end there. Yeah, and I, I think looking over our picks, Abby, we were. Uh, fairly similar uh when you talk about the the straight up picks i think the only places where we uh went apart from each other were the arizona stanford game i picked arizona win that game by nine you picked stanford by four i'm just not yeah yeah you did stanford oh i may have yeah oh yes i knew that there was (laughs) one place where i went away from the entire pack just to just to be different yeah i think Stanford, stanford to me you know i I love the job that they do generally, but this year uh, has not been a good year for the Cardinal. So, um, and, and Arizona has the best quarterback on the field. So, uh, I, I picked the Wildcats to win that one, as did everybody else, not named uh, Abby Bitterman, which of course probably means that Stanford's going to win, and, and you're going to pick up a game on everybody. I think the only other place where we went against each other uh, when you're talking a straight up pick was uh, Duke, North Carolina, the. Uh, the, the Tar Heel State battle there. I went with Duke by six, 24 to 18. You went North Carolina, 28 to, to 24. North Carolina favored in that game by three and a half. And I think you're the only person uh, for that one to have picked I Duke. I did. I was the only person. I have full and complete faith in David Cutcliffe as a coach, and I don't have full and complete faith in North Carolina right now. Although, Mac Brown's a heck of a coach. That that wasn't a shot at uh, North Carolina's coaching staff, but um, I, I think Duke finds a way to uh, pull out this victory. What what else are you looking forward to this uh, college football weekend that isn't taking place in Manhattan, Kansas? That isn't taking place in Manhattan. Um, I think 
that. Uh, Wisconsin well, at Ohio State, I think, is interesting to me. I mean, I have Ohio State winning, and I don't think I have it very close. But just to see how Wisconsin is going to um, bounce back after that last second loss to Illinois, I think, to me, is going to be interesting. Yeah, I think everybody has Ohio State covered in that game, which I think speaks to, well, one, the disappointment of last week for Wisconsin, because I had Wisconsin really high. Really like them and what their defense was doing, but that was just a head-scratcher last week, them losing to Illinois. We'll see how they bounce back from that, but everybody had them covering, and the line is 14.5, and, and, and Ohio State got to see them once uh, in full on TV. Well, I say in full. I watched the first half, which is really all that mattered. Uh, Ohio State Northwestern last week was on a Friday, so got a chance to uh, take that in. The other game that I'm really looking forward to, though, is Notre Mm Dame-Michigan. I think Notre Dame has the potential to be really good. They haven't always shown it this year at times, Um, uh, although in that Georgia game I thought they played really well uh, in in keeping it close, although you know, not entirely sure what Georgia is with uh, what they've done since then. But uh, I, I picked Notre Dame to win that game in a really tight one. Uh, 26 to 24 I think uh, only one person Scotty Wright went with Michigan in that one which is a little bit surprising but uh, you know Jim Harbaugh's had a rough week with uh, some some rumors to the NFL and and the dealings with uh, parents and recruits parents uh, in the aftermath of that but uh, we'll see how the Wolverines respond, but that should be a really good game. That's one of my favorite rivalry games in college football. I'm glad it's back, at least for now, um, and should be a fun one. Hopefully we'll get to uh, you know watch a little bit of it or listen to a little bit of it uh, on our travels this weekend. Yep, and going back to that uh, commanding lead that Joe had uh, built himself <laughs> in the picks, um, I, I tried to lobby for it, but they did – they did not let me keep uh, take over his record. I I got dropped down to zero and zero. So hope so. Maybe that Stanford pick will uh, set me apart. <laughs> well, you better hope so because if it if it doesn't, that's a uh, that's a rough one to lose a game on everybody. But we'll see what happens on Saturday uh, afternoon, Saturday night. But should be a fun weekend. Thank you so much uh, for listening to the Sooners Extra podcast. Brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. Please reach out to us if you have any questions that we can answer for the mailbag or or just in general, or let us know uh, what you think of the podcast. You can reach me, R-A-B-E-R, at oklahoman.com, raber at oklahoman.com, or on Twitter, at R-Y, a B E R Abby. Um, on Twitter at Abby A B B Y underscore Bitterman B I T T E R M A N, um, and through email uh, a Bitterman at Oklahoman dot com. That is a Bitterman at Oklahoman dot com. Never gets old. <laughs> no, but it's easy for people to remember. At least that's, that's true. Uh, you know, at least you don't have a last name that everybody likes to add letters to and doesn't believe that you know how to spell it right. No, I no, no, but I've seen some creative spellings of Abby, so... Yeah, I can imagine that's true. But everybody wants to make mine Amber or Abner. <laughs> I like Amber. <laughs> I like that better, but everybody... Uh, no, nobody thinks I know how to spell my last name. 
including one email I got uh, a couple years ago that said, I presume your name was spelled wrong in the paper. Well, <laughs> that, but it's the same email as – it's the same name as what you put well, in the email. Well, he CC'd somebody else on it. I think it was Barry. Ah. And Barry sent it to me. Well, that's – that's upsetting that people yeah. are trying to like <laughs> explain your own name to you. Exactly. But anyway, uh, that's it for, for this week. You can catch us after the game with Abby's first post-game podcast uh, following Oklahoma's game at Kansas State on Saturday. That's 11 a.m. on ABC. Until then, you can check out our work every day at Oklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoman for the best OU coverage anywhere.